things. <clears throat> Thank you. Kids can be dismissed to go to their classes this morning. We can overstep those bounds if we're not real careful. Thank you, Daddy. He can get more done in 10 seconds than I can do in the next 10 years. Thank you, Daddy. We praise you, Father. I never want to get in his way. If he's got something he'd like to do or say, let's do that. Today I want to talk to you about what are you hungry for? What are you hungry for? Such a sweet presence of God in the house this morning. We should hunger and thirst for more of that all the time, right? You know what that tells me? That tells me that some of you all are bringing your supply. But what are we hungry for? I preached a message a while back, and I couldn't find my notes on it. I looked and looked for it, but I couldn't find it. And it was about sheep. And God calls us sheep in the flock, right? And he puts a pastor over the sheep, and the pastor's feeding the sheep. But what are the sheep hungry for? You know that a sheep, sheep feeds 6 to 12 hours a day, not just about 3 or 4 hours a week. Not just the, Am I getting in your way, Sister Sue? It's $10 a picture if you get a picture of me. <laughs> just kidding. What are we hungry for, though? Sheep feed 6 to 12 hours a day. We're feeding on something all the time. It's not just when we're in church. Just like Sister Sue's doing there, she's taking a photo of the, of, the, of the scriptures. You can take that to go with you, right? When you go to a good restaurant, if there's food left over, you take it to go with you. But you can't leave it in the trunk of your car. It won't be any good for you. It won't, it won't provide anything to you. You got to take that thing home. You got to get the box back open. You got to get it in your nucleator at home there. And, and, and microwave that thing and get it back out and serve it to yourself again, right? You got to feed on it again. So sheep feed six to 12 hours a day. We're feeding on something all the time. All the time we're awake, we're feeding on something. Very seldom do we ever sit just still, right? You got the TV on, you got the radio on, you got something going, you're listening to people. There's something going on in your life all the time. We live in a world like that today. Amen? You know that sheep also have narrow mouths? Their mouth is narrow so they can be selective on what they pick out to eat. Church, we can be selective on what we pick out to eat today, right? So we're all feeding on something all the time then, and we can be selective for those things. So you get to choose where it's at, what you want to eat on then. You get to choose what you feed on. You choose, not me. Your pastor can't make you choose, can't decide what you're going to feed on. It's up to you. You choose what you feed on, right? So what are we hungry for? What are we hungry for? Church, I'm going to tell you something today. We're right where we want to be at. Because if you're feeding on junk and garbage of the world, that's where you want to be. There, there are all sorts of podcasts. There's, there's audio Bibles, video Bibles. There's Bibles you can read. There's Bibles you can listen to. Amen. Let alone just having a conversation with God. Let alone just praying in tongues. We're all right where we, need, we're right where we want to be at. We're right where we've decided to be at. And there's no excuse for it, really, right? In John 6, 5 through 12, it says, Then Philip lifted up his head and seen a great multitude coming toward him. He said to Philip, where shall, we, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him. For he himself knew what he was about. Jesus knew that he was about to feed the 5,000. He knew the little boy had two fish and five loaves in his lunchbox. He knew all about it. He knew what was, he was God. He knows the end from the beginning. He knew. But he said it to test Philip. What do you think we ought to do, Philip? Just to see what Philip would say. If we're not feeding on the right things all the time, we'll say the wrong things. Amen? Just to see what he would do. Verse 7 says, Philip answered him, 
200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that, that every one of them may have a little. So a big amount of funds wouldn't even be sufficient that they could each have a little bite. Amen? Where would we possibly get this much food, right? One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. He started off saying the right thing. He knew, I, I picture this story. You remember the metal lunch boxes we used to have back in my day? You had those, Damon, the little metal lunch box. They had, the, they had the scene on the side of them or the character or whatever it was, and it had a little thermos in there. This was just the kid's lunch box. He didn't have some big, huge fish and a, and, and, a, and a bread truck full of bread. He had this little lunch box he was carrying with him. So he had two little fish in there. And five loaves, and we think about loaves today. Well, was it a Subway, or was it, was it a sub sandwich loaf? Yeah. No, it would have been something more like a, a burrito tortilla shell. Some, something about that size, a loaf would have been in that day. So he would have had enough for a small boy to have, to have two little fish, and he was going to break them up and eat them on those five little shells. But we're talking about 5,000 men, let alone the women and children that were there, right? So he started to get it right. Well, there's a lad here who has this. He knew there was a seed in the camp, right? But he says, but what are, what are they among so many? So he shoots his miracle right in the foot before it ever gets started, right? Isn't that what we do a lot of times? We'll start to say the right thing, and then we'll look at the natural, and we'll say, oh, but what is that? Amen. Instead of keeping our faith, our currency, remember what we learned about the last couple weeks? Instead of keeping our currency on what we're supposed to keep it on, the word of God, and then get in his rest, in his peace, right? I don't want to get into that again. I'm going another way today. There is a lad here. Oh, I already read that. Verse 10. Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place so that the men sat down in, the, in number about 5,000. So 5,000 men sit down in this deep grass, and I can imagine they just mashed it down. I, I, I hunt a lot when I can. I, I used to hunt a lot more, but you ever walk up on a place where, there's, where deer have been laying out, a herd of deer? They'll, they'll just have the, the grass. I can picture that's what these men did. When they 5,000 of them laid down, they just smashed this big, tall grass down. God even provided the grass there for them that day. And they sit in there was much grass. So, so the men sat down in 5,000, verse 11. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down. Even the disciples served, right? We talked about it. They talked about it in the children's Sunday school class today. It's important to serve, church. <clears throat> And likewise, the, the fish, as much as they wanted. So he gave it to the disciples, and the disciples handed out, and they had as much as they wanted. I'm still talking about what are you hungry for, right? right? What are you hungry for? How much do you want today, church? Yes. How much do you want today? Do you want to see the 5,000 fed? You just want to be a little touchy-feely with God. Is, is that little experience that we had this morning, is that enough for you? Do you want to bring your supply, and you want to move forward, right? Because if just a few of us bring our supply, we might stay around a little touchy-feely. Yeah. But if a majority of the church would start bringing our supply in, yeah. spiritual supply I'm talking about, what might God do with that? Yeah. What are you hungry for this morning, though? This is the last day I get to preach in three weeks. So, I hope you all get something out of it. We have some dynamic preachers coming in, though. So, However, um, how much do you want, though? Do you think they took some with them? Now think about that. Just like you can take a picture. Because they were out in the middle of nowhere in a field. There wasn't a, there wasn't a Taco Bell right over here and a 
and a KFC and a, and a Sonic right there and, and the Mexican restaurant, it wasn't right over here, right? So when they were handing out this stuff as much as they wanted, I can imagine some of them took some with them. How much do you want today, church? How hungry are we? Do you know you got to eat tomorrow too? Do you know you're going to need to eat on Tuesday? How hungry are, are we today, church? This, I want to read on. So verse 12 says, So then they were filled. All of them were filled when they took as much as they want. He said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. And that word lost just hit me this time when I read this. Many, most of us have read this story over and over and over and over again. But you ever notice how sometimes a word will just pop out at you? This time it was that word lost for me. And that word lost means render useless or wasted. So that nothing was, wa nothing's wasted in the word of God, right? He started off with two little fish and 12 little taco, soft taco shells about that size, right? Unleavened bread, or about that size, the loaves were about that size and ended up with 12 full baskets heaping over. Where do you think that went to? So nothing was wasted. I, I heard it preached and I believe it's probably true that it went back to the boy because it was his seed. But how could a small boy even carry 12, blow, 12 baskets? He must have had people to help him pack his stuff back out that he, came, that, he, that, that he didn't even come with. But because it was his seed, amen? So nothing was lost. Nothing was wasted that day. But they were hungry. They were hungry, you see. If we don't come hungry, it'll go right over our head. It won't mean nothing to you. You'll just be sitting back there, can't wait till you get out of here today. Maybe you're texting on your phone, looking at the floor, noticing all the lint down there on the carpet. Amen. Can't wait to get out of here. This preacher preached last week. He preached long. The following week, he, he said he was going to preach shorter, but he preached long again. I don't know what's going to happen this week. But it might go right over your head if that's your attitude. Amen. We got to be hungry. We got to be hungry. What are you hungry for? We need a constant filling. It's not something you can come in and you get saved. And even if you got filled with the Holy Ghost, it's not something that lasts you forever. You need a constant filling. We, I'm not saying that the Holy Ghost doesn't, doesn't carry us. I'm just saying we got to constantly be poured into and poured into and poured into because other things are pouring into us. Everything in the, other things in the world are poured into us, right? You don't just get filled once just like you don't just comb your hair once. Once upon a time, I had some good-looking hair. I did. I had a mullet in the 80s. I had, I had hair that was curly. It just hanging rings. And I, so I kept it short because I strongly disliked it until I got a mullet. And then I had my mullet straightened on the back, and it curled back up the next day. Had a perm put in to get it straightened, and it curled back up the next day. I'm just saying, we got to constantly be in field. We don't comb our hair one time. Every day when you wake up, you got to take care of that hair again. If you don't, it's a mess. Yeah. It's popped up all over the place. Maybe matted down on one side. See your bald spot over here somewhere. You all know the deal, right? We're a mess if we don't have our if we don't fix ourselves up every day. Yeah. Amen. You ladies don't put the same makeup on and wear it all week, do you? Got to fix that stuff up every day. Make it right every day. Same in the spiritual. Yeah. We got to have a spiritual refilling every day. James four and eight says, "Draw near to God." And he will draw near to you. That's a promise of God. If I reach out to him and say, Lord, here I am, he'll draw back. Not, not back away from me. He'll draw me to him, right? He'll draw me toward him. Goes on to say, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, right? Doesn't that sound like consecration? We got to set ourselves apart, right? 
If you want to be full, consecrate yourself. Set yourself apart. He says, come out from among them and be ye separate. He's, he, that's a demand to all of us. We're not supposed to look like the world, and we can't not look like the world if, we, if we're feeding with the world. Right? He gave us a narrow mouth. He gave the sheep a narrow mouth so that we can be selective. Amen? And I'll say this even. Even if you're going on the Internet and finding podcasts, even if you're, you're going on YouTube or wherever you listen to your preachers at, be careful who you listen to. Amen? Because everybody ain't telling the truth. They might look like they're telling the truth and act like they're telling the truth. They might even have a nice suit on. They might be on television. So you think they're all right, but everybody's not talking the truth. Amen? I don't listen to them unless they give scripture for everything they say. And then I go and check the scripture and make sure they didn't twist the scripture. It's sad that it's got to be that way, but that's the world we live in. Amen? We got to consecrate ourselves. If we want to be full, we got to consecrate ourselves, church. We need to be hungry for the things of God. The church needs to be hungry for the things of God. The church needs to be hungry for the Word of God. The church needs to be hungry for spiritual things, right? A hunger for God in a way that we consecrate, holy and set apart. We can't hang out with the world. I can't even hang out with the guys in the lunchroom anymore. Not that I was doing anything wrong, but just the way they talk. Going into my ears. I don't need that garbage. Amen. I got to be set apart. So now they think something's wrong with me. Because I used to sit in the lunchroom with them. But that's all right. I'd rather them think something's wrong with me than God think something's wrong with me. Amen. They can think whatever they like. I look different than they do. I walk different than they do. I talk different than they do. And I don't want to feed on the same things they are because I'll start acting like them. Amen? What are we hungry for today, church? Very rarely do you see someone like that. Somebody that's consecrated. Think about it. Even in today's church, now I know you all are in really good shape spiritually, but the church as a whole, let's just say that. How many people do you know that are consecrated for God, that are set apart, that are different, that don't talk about other things, that other people that don't sow discord among the brothers. You get what I'm saying? How many are truly set apart? How many are truly what God's called us to be? I would say it's a really low number. Probably two or three percent if I had to guess today. Brother Stephan, you know the statistic on it? Brother Stephan's a stat nerd, so how many people are set apart for God, consecrated, true Christians? It's a low number, I'm sure. I just thought you might know off the top of your head. It's rare that we meet someone like this, though, right? But it's available to all of us. It's available to each and every one of us. Matthew 6, 33 says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added, added unto us, right? But if you're going to seek first the kingdom of God and put the things of the world away, it's going to take discipline. I need to share another little story with you this morning. My grand, our granddaughters are here this morning, and Matilda, she was a little nervous about going downstairs and um, I wanted her to be in church this morning and get something out of it she could because we don't get to have her here very often. Um, and so Jesse, he started acting up in the class, and I had to discipline him, right? I had to take him in the bathroom and spank him, and I said, you ready to go back in your class and be good? He said, I want to go tell Mommy you whipped my butt. <laughs> I said, you can do that after this. But I told you that to say, if you want to be hungry for God, if you want to be consecrated to God and do the things that God wants us to do and hear the things and feed on those things, if you want to do those things, sometimes you're going to have to spank your flesh. Yes. Amen. That's why he tells us to fast. Yes. 
right? So we can train our flesh. We're going to have to put our flesh in its place, cause our flesh to put some things aside, put some things down, and press forward in the spiritual man, right? This takes discipline. Just like discipline a small child, it takes discipline of the flesh to get further in the spiritual things. If you want to hunger and thirst after the things of God, you're going to have to spank that flesh a little bit. Your flesh ain't going to like it. It's not going to just be excited and, and zealous to follow along. Right? Jesse wanted to reach over and grab other people's stuff and mess with things, put his hands in Sister Tony's face. That's what our flesh wants to do. It wants to be unruly and do the things that the world wants. It wants to do those things that the guys at the lunch table are talking about. Amen? We got we to gotta get that flesh under control. If we want to hunger for the right things, if we want to be filled with the right things. Joshua 1 and 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, that you shall meditate on it day and night, that you, shall, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your ways prosperous. We've been teaching on this for a couple weeks, right? I've been using the scripture. And then you will have good success, right? So many people want to talk about money when they talk about that scripture. Money is the lowest form of prosperity. Amen. You could have $10 million in the bank and have cancer, and you're a poor man with $10 million because you're poor in health. Amen. There's so many other ways we can prosper. I, I'm just showing you the scriptures, right? We, we, we want to be hungry for God's word. Luke 6, 45 says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, right? What's, what's that good thing there, that good treasure? It's God's word, right? It's the things of the spirit, right? We have to be led by the spirit. God, God could have made us just be led by him all the time. He could have formed us in that way, but he would have had to take away our free will. Amen? He already had angels that do that anyway. So he would have had to take away our free will. He wanted us to love him anyway because we decide to, right? And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks, right? That, that treasure of the evil man is the natural things. The things of the world, right? Led by the flesh. What this flesh man wants to do. So we're either led by the spirit or we're led by the flesh. What are you hungry for? What do you desire? If you're desiring wrong things, you need some discipline. We need some discipline, church. I'm not on a box preaching down to you today. I'm not perfect either. Right? We're all being perfected. There's room for improvement in each and every one of us. Each and every one of us. If you think you're beyond reproach, you're in the wrong church. Don't spread that junk here. Because here we're all being perfected. God's word can't return void. It can't return void. That's why I read you each one of those last scriptures, because God's word can't return void. If you draw nigh to him, he'll draw nigh to you. If you keep his words in your mouth and you meditate on them day and night, you'll be prosperous. If you seek him first, all the other stuff's going to follow you around, right? A good man out of the good treasure. If you treasure, if you treasure his things, spiritual things, if you get those things down inside your heart, that's the harvest you're going to reap is the things that God's word says, right? God's word cannot return void. God's word is infallible. It's perfect. It works 100% of the time. Can I show you this in scripture? God said it, not me. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11 says, for the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So now think about how God made this. When he made it, he caused there to be 
first the, the earth was just void and it had water over the surface and it was dark, but he caused there to be light. He separated the heavens from the earth, what we call the sky, different place than where God lives at. But heavens is the sky, the water is in the sky. Now you think about when we have a, when we have a huge storm, how much water can fall in, in a short, I mean, we can get six, eight inches in an, in, a, in an hour time or less sometimes. Think about how much water is up there in the heavens and that doesn't drain it out, that doesn't tap it out. He separated that water from the water that's below on the earth, right? That's what he's talking about here. His word doesn't return void. So the rain falls, the snow falls, it comes down. And even though it makes that seed and the, and the animals eat it and it makes the plants and the animals eat it and, and we eat it and we eat the, the animals that eat the seeds and, and the plants and all those things happen and then the water evaporates back up to heaven. It doesn't return void, but it comes down for its purpose. Yeah. It's intended and purpose, the purpose that God intended it to. It comes down for that purpose, and then it returns back to God after it's performed that purpose. His will, right? Levin says, so shall my word be that goeth forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, right? Draw nigh to me. Those words will not return void. They cannot return void because God says, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Over 3,300 promises in this book that cannot fail. Cannot fail, will not fail because God said it. God said it. So the ball's in our court then, right church? He says we can be a powerhouse of a church. He gave us a five-fold ministry. He gave us nine gifts of the Spirit. Right? He gave us these things. They cannot fail. But what are we hungry for? We can fail. And God will give it to somebody else. Remember last week, in, in, I think it was Hebrews 4 and, and verse 6, it says some must enter the promise. Not everybody's going to. Remember how it started off talking? It said, some take what I, what the words I've said and they mix with their faith and they receive it. They enter into the promised land. Some don't because it's not mixed with their faith. But some, some will enter into the promise. But what are we hungry for, church? What are we hungry for? What are we chasing after? There's no excuse. There's no excuse. You may give me an excuse and that's all fine and well. But you will stand before Jesus Christ and answer for the time that he's given us. You know, you're going to answer for these things that I teach you. I got to answer for what I taught you. I had a man tell me one time, why'd you even tell me about this for? Now I'm responsible for it. That's a true story. What are we hungry for? What are we chasing after, church? There's no excuses. When we stand before Christ, there will be no excuse. God gave us his word. Draw an eye. All the other, all the other verses I just read you. Joshua, meditate on your word day and night. It, it never should be depart from our mouth. We should be speaking at all time, right? Seek ye first. If we're going to seek first God and we're going to meditate on his word day and night, that's going to require consecration. You can't meditate on God's word and watch the television. You can't. You can't. You're not going to be able to seek first God and hang out with the guys in the break room. Not going to work out. Amen. We got to be consecrated, church. 
Now, I told you already that I'm gonna, this is my last time preaching for the next three weeks. We're having Sister Renee Moore. She's doing the ladies' retreat, and then we have her the, the following Sunday morning. Powerful, powerful speaker. Last year, she said, as soon as she came up, she said, can we scoot these altars back? I'm going to need more room than this. And I said, sure we can. So we scooted the altars back, and she took the anointing oil bottle and dumped it in her hands and just rubbed it on her hands. I've never seen anybody use so much anointing oil. She had it running down her arms. That's fine. We had a lot, the seats were different, and there was an aisle down the middle, and people came up, and everybody that came across the front of the church was slain. And then another, they, we, we waited for them to get up, and another row came up, and she said, can you help me? And so I started to pray over people, and the people I was praying for, they were slain, and the people she was praying for were slain, and some of them would get back up, and she touched them again, and they were slain in the spirit. I'm just telling you, she, she, she's an awesome speaker. She's, she's very anointed by God, right? We're going to have some great services. Brother Jimmy Patella, he's doing the men's retreat. He's the, he's the uh, general men's director. He's over the whole world for Pentecost Church of God. He's a very dynamic, powerful speaker. Anybody remember what he preached about last, last year when he was here? There you go. There's only a few sermons you get that you remember the next year. That tells you he's a dynamic speaker, right? Anointed speaker. My, my, my. I remembered it too. You don't remember it. I don't even remember all the messages I've preached before. But I remember that one. Amen. He'll be here the following week. Then we're going to have revival. My pastor was here last year. He did an amazing job out in the yard. People slain in the yard. In the spirit. People saved. Amen. We're going into revival. I said all that to say... You can get as much out of that as you want. You can, you, you, you'll get just as much as you put into it. Just like on Sunday morning. If you come here on Sunday morning waiting to see what kind of performance I'm going to put on. That's where a lot of the church sets, right? We're going to go in and see what the pastor's wearing and see what he's preaching about and see if he can get my, my spiritual man sparked up today. You should have been ready for that when you got here. You should have been having church every day before you got here. Amen. We should be having church. We shouldn't depend on Sister Renee more. We better come in here and be ready to bring your supply. Amen? Maybe she can get ministered to this time. You get what I'm saying? God's not beyond that. You all want to have some powerful services? You want to be part of a powerful church? This is where the rubber meets the road, my pastor used to say. We got to bring our supply. I talked to you about bringing supply as far as working in the church, but we got a spiritual supply that we bring. Right? Everybody needs to serve in the church. That's true. But we have a spiritual supply that we have to bring too. <clears throat> a few of us can go this alone or we can all get in it together. Right? Remember last year at the, at the tent revival? Everybody was fired up after the tent revival and we were all going to do a prayer meeting and it's been a year now. The first service, the prayer service, I think 26 or 28 people showed up. Pretty good turnout for a church this size. The next week, about half. You know how I many was there last week? My family and the Courtney's family, I think. Maybe a couple other people. You see what I'm saying? What are we hungry for? We're focused on something on Tuesday night. We were fired up when we went to a revival. Amen. But we had no staying power. I think he talks about that in the parable of the sower. What are you hungry for, church? It shows. I'm not saying that to be negative to anybody, but whatever we're hungry for, it shows. It shows. We're getting ready to go into a revival again right now, right? A real revival changes everything. If we come here wanting it, 
If we come here prepared for it, it changes everything. Are you ready for that change? Are you hungry for that change? And the definition of revival, I found this in the, in the, on, online, or Brenda found it online for me. An improvement in condition or strength of something. Talking about our spiritual lives, right? An instance of something becoming popular, active, or important again. You know, last year when we had that revival in the yard, we had to come in every night. We, we, we took a, a PA outside. We hauled all the speakers outside, all the cables, all the instruments, everything on the platform. We had to take it outside. We had to take the projector outside so that we could project the words up on the side of the tent. We hauled that all outside every day. People would come in early. It was hot outside. I was leaking all over the place some days. We'd carry that all outside. Brother Adam came in and put up a temporary service, a pole out in the yard with a meter or whatever it is on there, uh, the, the light box and stuff so that we could have power out there. We had to string lights. We, we, we hauled all that stuff out every day, and we'd bring it in every day. And we'd haul it out, and we'd bring it in, and we'd be ready to, you get what I'm saying? We, we sacrificed some things. It was important to us for that week. Amen. If we don't go further than a week with the revival and the speakers we have come in, are we just squandering God's funds? Think about it. Think about it. These people are going to come here and they're going to feed us. It's going to be awesome. There's going to be a mighty move of God. I know there is. But we've got to carry it forward. And it it comes back to what are you hungry for? What are you hungry for? What do you desire? If it's not right things, and every one of us have something we can trim off. If it's not right things, we need to discipline ourselves, right? I was here at 6 a.m. this morning. I came in, and, these, and one of the switches didn't get flipped off, so these front four lights were on. And, and I came in, and it was really odd to come in, because usually the building's just dark when I get here at 6. It's not light outside yet. And I came in, and I just felt quickened to come and sit on the back row, back about where Brother Adam is at, two seats over from where Brother Adam is. And I just sat there. God just, sometimes the Spirit will quicken me to be in this place or that place to see it from whatever perspective it needs to be. I, didn't, I, I don't know. So it was dark and it was shadowy back where I was at, but it was brighter up here and then it was kind of shadowed up here because these lights weren't on. And so I was sitting there and I was like, what, what, what do you want me to know, Lord? What are you trying to show me today? And I, I'm here and whatever you want me to do. And so I started looking at all the drums and the, and the instruments and the, and the piano and the and, the, and these drums here and, the, you know, all the stuff that goes into it, the projector and all the things that go into the, the church. And I started imagining myself being here kind of preaching. My, my head went there with that. And, and uh, the Spirit quickened me and said, what's the most important thing in the church? What's the most important thing in the church? And immediately I said, the anointing. The anointing. Because no matter what I preach about or how much I scream and holler or jump about, it doesn't matter without the anointing. Doesn't matter how good Sister Delaney is on this piano without the anointing. Doesn't matter how good any of it is without the anointing, right? Doesn't matter how nice the carpet, the chairs, and doesn't matter. Without the anointing of God, the anointing convicts, the anointing convinces. I can't do that. Without, without God convicting you and convincing you the Holy Ghost, I may as well be standing here telling you about the Easter Bunny. Amen. I don't have the words to convict you, to convince you, but he does, right? The, the anointing convicts, it convinces, it softens hearts. Someone who's got a hardened heart, it can soften their heart, he can soften their heart. It changes our lives, it breaks chains. The anointing, it breaks chains, it sets people free, it heals the sick, gives sight to the blind, right? 
But most Christians just want to be a little touchy-feely. Just give me a little dab. A couple of us agree. I was in a meeting a while back, and it said, the preacher said, now, if you don't want people to think he's talking about you, just shout amen real loud when he talks about it. Then they'll think he's not talking to you. And, but if you get quiet right there, then I know where I'm going to be, right? We can back up and go through it again. Amen. Most of us just want to be a touchy-feely a little bit. Just get that little bit. You, you felt this morning when you were here. If you, if you didn't feel the spirit moving this morning, do this. <laughs> Check your pulse because something's wrong. The spirit was strong in here this morning. Amen. But I want to move further than that. I want to move further than that, right? But what are we hungry for? Imagine if everyone, just in this room right here, imagine if we would just consecrate ourselves. Just this small local church right here. I shouldn't say small because we're just, we're just growing. Just this young local church right here. Imagine if we would just consecrate ourselves. Just everyone in here would consecrate ourselves, right? And begin to bring their supply to church. Because you've been having church all week long and the spirit's moving. Sister Sue got here two weeks ago, I think it was, and, and the anointing was so strong on her because she'd been having church before she got here. And she came in, and I sweat a lot of times when the anointing gets on me. I got in her presence, and I began to sweat because the anointing got on me because she brought the anointing with her. And I'd been in here having church, so I had the anointing on me already. But when she came on, I really sensed that anointing. And we had a mighty, church, we had a mighty service that day. Can you imagine if we would all do that? He talks about one mind and one accord. What do you think he's talking about? Amen. But what are you hungry for? You want more of that? Or we want more of what the world's got to offer? Amen. I want to go here with you today. Could we all just bow our heads, come to the altar, kneel at your chair? I just ask everybody to pray today. Because I've asked so many times to check your heart, check your heart, check your heart. But I want to ask you today to do this. Ask God to check your heart. Ask God to show you where, we, where, where our hunger is misplaced at. Right? Where our desires are misplaced at. Ask God, even if you're really bold, ask God to help you with the discipline that it's going to take to get on track. He'll do it. He will do that. He will not let you walk out of here the same if you're willing. There's that free will thing. That free will thing gets in our way so much of the time. But if you're willing to put that flesh in its place and get past that free will and just ask him today. Ask him that today.